We're here at the San Francisco War Memorial Opera House tonight, Friday, March 4th, 2011, and I have the pleasure of chatting with principal character dancer and choreographer Val Canaparoli. Thanks for being here. I'd also like to welcome our podcast listeners. These interviews are available via podcast on our website, sfballet.org. And while you're there, if you're interested in behind-the-scenes type things, take a look at the company blog, Open Studio 455. So Val Canaparoli was born in Renton, Washington. Don't say the year. <laughs> I won't. And studied music and theater at Washington State University. He has a long history, sorry, with uh, San Francisco Ballet. 39 years if you count his training in the school. And I'm only 25. <laughs> it's a miracle. He studied here in a Ford Foundation scholarship and he joined the company in 1973 and 14 years later was made principal character dancer. So along the way, he's choreographed dozens of ballets. I think you're at somewhere approaching like 60, something like that. Probably more now. Or more now, okay. Pretty impressive. Um, and many of those have found homes in other companies. I think at least 35 other companies do, do Val's works these days. His most well-known and most performed ballet is probably Lambarena which was made for San Francisco Ballet in 1995 and won a Chusango Award. Uh, he's earned two of those awards along with a couple of uh, Isadora Duncan Awards. So along with his repertory works, he's made some full-length ballets, uh, Lady of the Camellias, Two Nutcrackers, A Cinderella Story, and his style and musical tastes are pretty eclectic. Um, and his works often show his theatrical roots, and he's, in fact, actually even choreographed for the theater, primarily at ACT, uh, where he's done um, A Christmas Carol, A Doll's House, Tis Pity She's a Whore, and he's worked on a dance theater, well, actually co-created a dance theater piece with Carrie Perloff, the ACT artistic director, called The Tosca Project. So, I'm out of breath, and it's your turn. Um, one of the things you're doing right now is you're doing a part in Helgi Thomason's ballet, Nana's Lead, which is on the program you see tonight. And you play um, Jakob Schmidt. When did you start doing that role, and how is it being the bad guy? Well, actually, this is, I originated the role, I think it was 18 years ago, is that possible? And you know what? I fit in the same costume. <laughs> That's what I was proud of right there. Um, it's so odd. I don't remember when it was choreographed. Uh, it seems like a long time ago. But um, I just remember working with Helgi. It was the first time I've worked with him as a dancer, which is quite interesting because it's always been the other, other way around. I was also a ballet master when... Uh, Helgi came in, he pointed me that, so we were, it was a different role. So for him to choreograph on me was pretty exciting, pretty exciting, especially at the age I was. But um, yeah, it was just really fun working at that time with Elizabeth Lascavio, um, at the time because she originated the role, and, and working with her in the studio. And 
I play this really strange character where I'm lurking in back alleys, um, <laughs> looking and lurking for her and finally end up with her. And, and she's not so happy about it when we end up together, basically. So it's, it was really fun revisiting that role and, and doing it, maybe thinking of it a little bit differently now than I did maybe 18 years ago. Um, first of all, 18 years ago, I could have walked in the theater and warmed up just barely and gotten through it easily. Now I'm like here two hours before, <laughs> warming up, going, boy, I can't hurt myself. But uh, it's just different now for me, but I've been really happy about that. And also... I'm in Winter Dreams, which I remember coming into the studio when I was cast for it, and I went, oh, I'm a drunk, I can do that, you know, in my sleep, I practice every night, no, I'm kidding. Um, but Ricardo Bustamante said, have you seen the videotape of this? I said, no. He said, you better warm up. <laughs> and sure enough, the solo, if you've seen it or not yet, but it's a solo with a chair, where you're falling over in the chair, doing somersaults with a chair, with a chair attached to your leg, Three or four times, I couldn't believe I was going to have to do this at my age, but yes, I did it. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm still alive, let me tell you. So those are the two roles that I'm doing. Um, I leave for uh, New York City on Monday, so I won't be in the rest of the season because I'm going to be choreographing for the Metropolitan Opera, Capriccio, which I did here, uh, gosh, so long ago with uh, the same director, but at that point it was designed to be Johnny Versace. I don't know if you've seen that. So I've done it, uh, this will be the second time I've done this version for the Met, and also did it also for Chicago Lyric. So I'm off for New York City in, in March, which will be great. So this is my last weekend to perform, so it's, my body will love it. Though. <laughs> Well, thanks for mentioning that because I meant to, I meant to say that he also <laughs> choreographed for opera, but now you know. So you started choreographing in 1980 uh, up at Pacific Northwest Ballet right. when the then co-director, Francia Russell, asked you to do something for a workshop. Right. She, uh, okay. Francia Russell, she was co-director of the company with Ken Stoll at the time, and she would come here and stage Balanchine Ballets. I uh, became friends with her, and I just happened to say, you know, I really, I've been choreographing on students. I really want to choreograph. And she really, I really think, Ken Stoll and Francie Russo, the ones that discovered me, they, they said, well, we do a workshop every summer with the, it's low tech with the dancers of the company. Would you like to do this? I went, absolutely. Now at that time, it was a ballet called Street Songs, and that was in 1980, and it's still done by some companies today. I still kind of cringe when I see it, but it still is performed, which I'm very proud of too. But it was Pacific Northwest Ballet that I did my first work for. And, and you told me once that, that you were interested in getting into choreographing at least partially because you came to dancing late and figured you should have options. So <laughs> tell us a little oh, about Oh, I the needed options. Process. I was never going to be the dancer noble. I was never going to be the cavalier, nor did I want to. Every, um, when uh, I first joined, when Luke Christensen was director, I would just keep saying, no, I want to do Mother Ginger. He'd go, what? No, don't make me do the Prince Cavalier. I want to do Mouse King. And it's like, it comes full circle. I'm still doing those roles, a lot of them. But it... My background sort of uh, kind of dictated. The light bulb went on when I was watching choreographers uh, work with dancers. Because at that time, even, we had a lot of different choreographers coming in. And I would be, even if I wasn't cast in the ballet, I'd be just watching these choreographers come in, uh, sitting at the door. Everyone else thought it was odd that, why don't you just go home? But the light bulb went on. Wait, I said, I've studied uh, theater, directing, lighting. Um, acting, 
um, now dance. Uh, wow, I want to do this. So that's really what happened, just watching all these different choreographers coming in. So I learned a lot from them as well as uh, Luke Christensen and Michael Smeon at the time, um, really watching how they worked and stuff. I really believe how I choreograph now is because of Luke Christensen. Um, his background was vaudeville, really, and so and my background was theater. So there's a little bit of similarity there. So that's why a lot of my work has a base in maybe theater or literature or something odd or some or an article. It's never, it's rarely just an abstract work to music. I, I usually fail when I do that. How was the transition? Was it the kind of thing where, well, I'm going to stop dancing and I'll do more choreographing? Or did the choreographing well, just sort of overtake? I, it's funny. Everyone says, well, when did you retire? And I go, well, I haven't retired. I'm still on dancer contract, which is very odd. I've never quit, but the, the doing less of it, so it gives me more time to choreograph. Um, we work out something great. Hel Helgi Thomason is great with me. He allows me to go out and choreograph on these other companies and travel, which is important to me, and still have a home here and actually be able to perform and sometimes work with the company on choreography as well. So it's, it's the best of both worlds, and I get to live in San Francisco. Who can beat that? So it's really, I think, I choreographed. It was hard when I was dancing a lot because I would be choreographing. And going from choreographer to dancer from hour by hour, it was really difficult very, very difficult, because you have to be warm, and then you're not warm, you're sitting, you have to be really careful not to get injured, but that was more difficult than it is now, basically. So the, the piece you did for this year's gala, Double Stop, right. um, created quite a bit of buzz, <laughs> and I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about how you came to choose that music, and whether you had anything at all in mind when you went into the studio with Sarah Van Patten and Teet Helmets. I usually don't, I have a thoughts and ideas, and then usually the dancers are, are contributors to this. That's, as far as I'm concerned, I as a dancer loved it when choreographers would come in and allow you freedom. They didn't come in and dictate, this is what you're going to do. They would ask you, well, what do you think? How do you feel? You know, I love that, and I work best that way. And, and Teet Helmets and Sarah Van Patten were incredible to work with. I've never worked with Sarah Van Patten before. Incredible. Teet I've worked with, he's incredible. And just the three of us in the studio formulating what we're going to do um, was great. Uh, we had the music. I picked a piece by Philip Glass, which is one section from Songs and Poems for Solo Cello, I believe. Um, and we just all just, I think we did it and finished it maybe in two or three sessions. Um, it went so fast, the ideas came pouring out. So I really like working with the dancers themselves. I think it's important. And they feel, they feel part of it. They, feel, have, they, they have ownership of it as well. And they feel proud of the work they did. Um, but the music is solo cello. And it, we couldn't do it live because the music was commissioned for, I, I wish I remember the name, of the, the cellist, where she has the exclusive rights to play it. No one else can for, for a couple of years. So you run into those problems, too, with music. And so we decided to do it with the recording which was beautiful, beautifully done. Um, and we hung, hung a uh, cello that swung, swung a bit like a pendulum. And from this, this pas de deux, I really am inspired to do the rest of the ballet. So there are like seven other movements and adding more dancers. It's almost a 27-minute work. 
So it might have spawned maybe the, uh, a new work. So I'm really excited about that. That would be great. And are, are there any plans to, to do just the pas de deux at all again? There are, there are companies already asking for the pas de deux. Great. <laughs> so great. it's great. If you're just joining us, I'm in conversation with Val Canaparoli, principal character dancer and choreographer. So uh, the piece you made for the 75th anniversary uh, New Works program, um, Ibsen's House, was of course you know based on Ibsen's characters from Ibsen's plays, um, and I wondered what it's like for you um, when you're working with something that is based on something else, there are certain inherent constraints, as opposed to doing a completely abstract ballet where anything goes. Right. And how, how does that affect you in terms of creativity? Do you like working with limits? Or? I, I, well, I don't know if there are limits. I love a challenge. I love it when directors come to me and say, I would like a closer or I would like, the uh, Royal Winnipeg Ballet asked me, we want a full-length Cinderella, but we don't want Prokofiev. Are you interested? Or the many, I love those challenges. And this wasn't a specific challenge, uh, but I really wanted to do something about on, on Ibsen's um, Victorian era plays where he challenged the morals at that time of women. And, and it was really unorthodox of what I did and I realized there was a lot of resistance to this of picking five different plays five different women but to me that worked uh, did a lot of research worked a lot with Carrie Perloff I bring in people a lot uh, and a lot of people say well that's rare, rarely done and they admire that I love the fact all right like in Lombarena I brought in uh, uh, African dance consultants who still work with me when the ballet goes out on the road I think it's important. I think it's, uh, it's important for the dancers to, Carrie came into the rehearsal sometimes and gave each character their backstory. And it was really interesting, and the dancers just ate it up. They loved it. They want that direction and made it exciting for them too. So it, I wouldn't say it was limited. I, I felt there was freedom because I'm not doing the play. I'm doing my interpretation of how I feel these how these women were treated, how they reacted. And I felt there was a lot of freedom there, basically. And working with Sandra Woodall, always, as she does probably 95% of my designs. And we work historically, we work through all, everything from day one, as, long, as well as with the lighting designer. I rarely choreograph the ballet, bring in the designer and have them, well, paste the designs over it. No, everyone is involved from the very beginning or else they don't work for me. I, really want that input makes I think I believe for more cohesive ballet so all ballets undergo a significant transformation right. in from the rehearsal process to the actual opening night um, is there one that stands out in your mind that really changed mm. dramatically well most of the works I do and even Balanchine still tinkered with his masterpieces until his death I you never are satisfied you're always like I think tweaking your works. I think the ones that are done the most are probably the ones that I tweak more. The full length lay of the camellias, uh, over, I don't know how, it must be 15, 16 years old, and like five or six companies do it, and others will be doing it coming up. I've, I've trimmed it by 20 minutes, and I think it's a stronger ballot each time I do it. I do, oh, because 
your mind works differently and you see things. Why didn't I think of it back then? Well, I, you know, so you're always really, really working on, on, on tweaking your work or fixing it. Also, I always I stress this with ballet, we don't have the luxury that of previews that theater has or Broadway or film. They go out and they, in cities and then they have uh, uh, people tell them what they think and then they bring it out of circulation and they trim it and they work it. We are supposed to have masterpieces right like that, which it's hard. We don't have the preview time. We have very little time on the stage. So it's, it's, it's to me, that's our preview time. And then that's when it's really done over and over again. That's when you start working on it, make it better and better and better. So in a related question, then when you take a ballet to another company, how much do you tailor it to those dancers? Well, I have a certain freedom with the dancers because I want them to also have their personality. But there are, there are limits to that. I mean, even with San Francisco Ballet, with Lombarena, the lead role, with Evelyn Cisneros, the, uh, the other girls after that, they brought something different to the table. Even though it might have been the same steps, there was a little bit different. I love, as an audience member, coming back again and not seeing the uh, cookie cutter, you know, even if it's a second cast of the same ballet. I like to see something different and have them put their personalities into it. And many different companies, they have different styles. And I think you have to recognize that as well. We're talking with Val Canaparoli, and I'm going to open this up to questions in, in just a couple of minutes. But before we do that, um, I wondered if you could let us know what you're working on, what's coming up. I'm actually next season doing new work for the Joffrey, world premiere. New work for Ballet West. I got the rights to Shirley Jackson's short story masterpiece, The Lottery, um, with a commission score, score by Robert Moran. Uh, world premiere for Richmond Ballet. Lombarena is going to Atlanta Ballet, um, as well as maybe uh, Texas Ballet Theater, Ben Stevenson's company. Oh, I think Lombarena is going to be revised in Oregon Ballet Theater, Christopher Stoll's company. It's, there's like good 20 works going on next year, so yes. <laughs> and, and what about the Tosca Project? Anything oh, with that? Oh, right, right. The Tosca Project is starting to formulate into a tour. We, it's going to be brought in by two Canadian companies um, in Vancouver and Calgary. So we're going to able, again, we're tweaking that. It's going to have a little different twist. It'd be the same work, but we've learned a lot over the, 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 the run of it here in San Francisco, and we're hoping to bring it back here. We're hoping to get it to New York. We're hoping to get it to L.A. There's a lot of interest in it, so stay tuned on that one, definitely. And you are about to launch a website. Yes, I'm finally growing up. I'm going to have a website. <laughs> I'm growing up, www.valcanaproli.org. Finally, it's going to be up probably tomorrow. You're the first to know that. So mynname.org. Um, you could probably get on it now, but it's going to um, mostly to say what's going on, what I'm doing. No bells and whistles, just to let you know where I am, what's going on. This is backtracking a tiny bit, but you did mention something about about the lottery that I think is interesting enough for you to share with them. Yeah, the, I don't know if you know the short story. It's, it's just a very creepy story. I studied it in, I think, junior high school. I don't know if you've studied it, but it's basically, it's, it's almost like you're in our town, and 
everything's going great, wonderful, but then the lottery really, it's never explained, but the winner of the lottery isn't really a winner. This person gets stoned to death. And there's not an explanation. It's just very odd. And in my version of this, how we're going to do it, this is why I was able to get the rights, because the, uh, the, the estate, Shirley Jackson State, was so excited about this. They've, they've been saying no to a lot of offers, of movie offers and such, but they love this ending where it's going to be different every night. There's going to be 14 dancers. They're all going to pick from the lottery. None of them will know who has to do that killer five-minute solo and get stoned to death. So it's going to be, oh, I hope I get to pick the lottery. My mother's out there. Or, oh, my knee's really bad. I better not. Oh, better not. Or I'm going to go, I hope this dancer does it. This dancer does it the best. And It's going to be always on edge. So it's not going to be the same woman. So it's, it's going to really stay true to reading the story for the first time each time. So I will be starting that very soon. That's really exciting. So I'd like to open this up to all of you now. And wow, there are too many hands right here. Are any of your works on DVD? Are any of your works on DVD? Uh, not a lot. There is um, Lucia Lacara did uh, Lady of the Camellias. Um, with C.R. Pierre, uh, um, Surreal, and you can buy that as well. I think it's, but it's also on YouTube, but Lady of the Camellias. Look up Lucia Lacara. She's gorgeous. I mean, there's, there's, there's clips of things all through, you know, on YouTube with lumbering and stuff like that, but not commercially, not a lot, no. Yes. When you create a ballet, how do you document it? Well, oddly enough, I don't come in the studio with preconceived ideas and movement ideas. I know where I'm going to go with it. I've never had a block choreographically. I always have an assistant who writes it down. So there's that, that person who is my assistant in each company all over the world, they're in charge of it, of making sure it's, it's documented. They have their own way of writing it down, whether they use a score or, you know, like we have Anita Pachodi here, and she takes care of uh, a lot of, I believe, Chris Wilden's works. Or, or you know, they're, they're appointed, and they're the ones that, that keep the ballet in shape when the choreographer leaves. But also, we're in the age of video. But video lies. Sometimes there's mistakes. You can't rely on that. So you have to rely on video as well as that documentation. I myself rarely write things down. My mind's going next instead of... What did I just do? Because I'll go, I'll do something, I'll say to the dancers, well, what did I just do? And they said, well, we think you did this, because I move really fast. So then I look at it, then we shape it, and then my assistant writes it down. And then the, it's this ongoing process. Um, yes. Why don't you do open rehearsals for feedback? Um, you know, it's, it's generally the policy of the companies. I personally love when people come in, but a lot of choreographers, it's a distraction. Um, some choreographers don't want that feedback. Um, I love feedback, whether I take it or not. <laughs> I usually, within the... the the building itself, I say, anyone's welcome to come in. You do, don't bother me. It's, it's great. I love it when you do. Um, 
It's a good question. It's, it's sometimes distracting if you're creating a new work, if there's a lot of people in the room for the dancers as well. Um, it just depends, yeah. But the, I'm working with ACT now and working with actors, they do that a lot more than we do. They do workshops and then they have the, the and like this, those that, you know, workshops and talk and ask questions. And it was, Carrie and I, it was interesting to see where she would just go, if she didn't agree, she would go, oh, that's interesting. And I'd be going, <laughs> I'd be like, what, are you kidding me? <laughs> so it's interesting, just that we work differently. It's just different. And I'd like to add one thing, too, about the distraction factor. It's just that ballets here, at least, typically have about a three-week rehearsal period, which is really short, short to create a ballet. So, you know, that kind of distraction, while it could be valuable, could yeah. also really slow things but down. But it would be. I think it would be valuable. But it really is intense. It's Yeah, put you in the second balcony. <laughs> yes. Can you just describe briefly about Lombarina's music Process. and the choreography? Well, I, I, I don't know if you remember Ida Holmes. She used to dance in the company, and she, she know, I used to choreograph on her all the time, and she, she got married in Paris, and as a gift, she got this recording. She said, this is right up your alley, and FedEx to me, and it was. And it really is um, Johann Sebastian Bach and traditional African and, and really, it was a fusion, but it wasn't. It was just this, seeing that the rhythms were the same. And it also was dedicated to Albert Schweitzer, who founded Lombarena with an E, a missionary, where he would play Bach on the organ, and he'd hear the drums in the back background. And so it was really influenced by that. So the, in Paris, they brought in... A, a, traditional African drummers and singers and also Western singers and instrumentations and just jammed in this studio and made this incredible music. Um, and it, to me it was, it was, it really kept the integrity of both. It didn't, I, I hate to say the word fusion because it really wasn't. It really was staying true to both. I, I thought it was exciting. Uh, purists just maybe hated it, hated it, but I, I don't care about that. But it's and so with the, the, the ballet itself, and I brought in African dance consultants just to get, take what I did and go, well, there's an African movement that's similar, and they'd show me, then we'd kind of work it together. And Sandra Woodall did um, designs that were similar, the, the, the fabrics of, of, of Africa, but in the cut and design of Johann Sebastian Bach. And it was, it was an exciting time, and it's, it's gone to about 20 companies now and counting half hour. <laughs> I can take one extremely quick short answer question if there is one. Yes. Would you like to direct Thoughts your about own directing company? my own company? You know, I'm too selfish. It's, 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 I'm having a great time. I'm booked like a couple years in advance. That is, I'm selfish in that it's, you really have to surround yourself and be in charge of so many people's lives. And to me, I'm really happy choreographing and going out and being a guest and then leaving. 
you know, it's, it, that works for me, but I have never wanted my own company. I hope it doesn't, there would <laughs> basically. Thank you all for coming tonight. Uh, enjoy the show, and do check out our website at sfballet.org. Thank you. Thank you.